Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, good morning again. As we gather here on the fourth Sunday of Lent, we continue our series, Wandering in the Wilderness. And talk about wandering in the wilderness this past 12 months. For many of us, probably for most of us, not just here in Lincoln, but in Nebraska, in the United States, around the world, it's felt like a wilderness time as we mark that one-year anniversary of living in this pandemic. It's hard to believe it was about a year ago that it was our last Sunday that we had gathered in person and we closed everything up and moved completely to live stream and then eventually we were able to kind of move back to doing a a mixture of in-person and live stream. This wilderness time has been a time of simplicity, of sacrifice, of sorrow that have all become part of our daily realities. Well, as we go through this series, we explore those characters, those people of God who've had these transformational encounters with God in the wilderness. Let's do this, kind of get our uh, daylight savings brains going here. You know, if you're like me, a little bit foggy this morning. Of course, I don't know why, but I woke up at 3.30, so I've been up for a number of hours and raring to go. But share a word you associate with what it's like to be stranded on the roadside. Share a word that you associate what it's like to be stranded on the roadside. And maybe, you know, for those of you in person, anyone ever been stranded on the roadside before? You know, anybody not? You know, I don't live stream audience. You know, I, I, I've been stranded a number of times on the roadside. And, you know, some of those experiences have been interesting. The people that you meet, the people that pick you up. You know, one time driving along the road and, and started seeing billows of smoke coming from under the hood of the car. And immediately you think, you know what, I better pull over. Same car, a few years earlier, this car gave us problems. <laughs> Same car a few years earlier had broken down in Branson, Missouri. If you've ever been to Branson, Missouri, you know that there is this one point that if you stop right there, your car stalls right there, guess what? everybody is stuck. Guess where we got stuck at? Right there, not on the side of the road, in the middle of the road, and we blocked up traffic. Couldn't get the car going. Another time, you know, we got stranded on the roadside. We were in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. Well, I mean, really middle of nowhere. I forgot what highway we were on, but we were on our way to go to Schuyler, Nebraska, actually to Camp Luther, to pick up our daughter, And our car, you know, stalled out on us. We were on the roadside. You think about those one words that come to mind. You think about being stranded on the roadside. To me, there's there's fear, there's anxiety, there's worry. You know, we're we're perplexed, we're wondering. Sometimes we're angry and, and we're grumpy with either the people that are in our car because they're grumpy or because we're mad at ourselves because, you know what, I saw that I was on E and I thought I could just make it just a little bit farther. You know, and, and all those emotions that are part of what it's like to be stuck on the roadside. And maybe you're hungry or you're thirsty. And again, you know, just that kind of grumpy old frustrated experience of being stranded on the roadside. But there's one time we were stranded on the roadside on our way to go to Camp Luther, pick up our daughter, bring her home from a great time at camp, and the car stalled. That one car that thankfully we no longer have. They didn't like that car. You know, standing there, and you kind of think, what are we going to do? Now, thankfully, you know, this is the day and age where we have cell phones, right? So at least with a cell phone, you can call somebody. You can call for help. Help, I'm stuck. You know, so we made a couple phone calls. One was a triple A who said, now, where are you at? I said, I'm on this highway between this town and that town. They're like, well, where are you at? I'm like going, oh, 
this is not good. And finally, they kind of figured out where we were at. And they're like, you know, we're probably an hour and a half before we get to you. And was able to call, you know, when we lived in Omaha, so we called a staff person who also had their daughter at the camp and said, like, where are you at? And so they thankfully came by and, you know, brought our daughter, you know, and helped us connect and get home. But before that, you know, AAA was on the way, and these other folks who happened to see us stranded stopped and helped out. My daughter, my daughter, my wife and son got in that vehicle, had an interesting experience. They, she, she actually, my wife shared that experience with a few people on a Zoom gathering this, this Friday night. They were just interesting people. I just leave it at that. They were interesting. That's the one word, interesting. You know, and I waited for AAA to show up to, you know, figure out what was going on with their vehicle and finally get us all back home again. But, you know, being stuck, being stranded, whether it's in the middle of the cornfields or the middle of nowhere, can be stressful, can be worrisome and perplexing. You know, whether the weather's a beautiful day or a rainy day like the day or a stormy, cold, wintry day or a hot, blustery summer day. It is challenging. Well, as we talk about that, you know, we talk about in this series, Wandering in the Wilderness, what it's like to be in the wilderness. What it's like to be stranded or feel like you're stuck in the wilderness. So we do that, let's define that term again. The midbar, again, is the Hebrew word for wilderness. We talk about wilderness here. Again, when they talk about wilderness, you know, they did not go camping for the fun of it and have a campfire and, and make s'mores. For these people here and these ancient people, the wilderness was a wild, uncultivated region like a forest or desert, uninhabited or only inhabited by wild animals. Well, as we dive into the text here in just a moment, you know, here's the truth we're going to land on. The truth we're going to land on is this. Jesus provides the way in the wilderness. So we all have been at one moment sorry, or another stranded, stuck in the wilderness. And it's in the wilderness we discover that Jesus provides the way. Let's take a look here at our text from Isaiah 35, verses 1 and 2, and let's read this text together. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, the land will blossom. It will rejoice and sing with joy. I love that Isaiah, this, this prophet Isaiah, in a very beautiful poetic language, talks about the desert. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been in a desert before. You know, a number of you have. You know, I've shared before, I grew up in a desert, grew up in Phoenix, so that's part of the Sonoran Desert. And you think about the Sonoran Desert, it looks a little more something like this here. It is dry, it is hot, it, it seems rather lifeless. I mean, there are, there are, this is just one cactus, but there are multiple cacti. You know, there's the burning hot sun. You know, you're sweating all the time. You're thirsty. There's, there's rattlesnakes and scorpions and coyotes and javelinas. Javelinas are wild pigs. Don't mess with those wild pigs. It is not a pleasant experience. And then often the people, when they think about the desert and think about Phoenix, this is kind of the image they have in mind. It's something that is dry and desolate. And this is often the way that life can feel when we feel like we are stranded in the wilderness of life. And this is how God's people felt stranded in that wilderness of life. But, you know, the, the wilderness, the desert wilderness can have life. In fact, this dry, parched land can, at certain times of the year, look something more like this here as it blossoms in spring. If you have been or if you know any snowbirds, a lot of those snowbirds, those folks who pick up and go for the wintertime to places like Arizona, 
they will stay there in, in Phoenix and the surrounding you know, communities till about this time of year. This time of year when everything just springs, blossoms to life. It's beautiful. There was life even in this parched land. And then after that, they skedaddle because then the sun comes in and it gets to be 90 degrees, 120 degrees, and it's hot and dry. But there's those moments when there is life. And that's exactly the picture that Isaiah is painting for us here in these words that God inspired him to use. That the parched land, the desert, would blossom with life. That it would sing and it would rejoice in life. That this crocus would come. Here's a picture of a crocus, by the way. This white flower that blossoms and and it's a sign of life even in the wilderness, in the desert of this region. And as Isaiah writes these words here, he talks about these people being in a promised land or scourged land. Part of it, let's talk about you know, what it meant for them to be in this scorched land, in this, this real life-threatening experience that they were going through, where they needed God to show up. This was a time where the Assyrian Empire, the Assyrian Empire was the undisputed powerhouse of that time. And they were systematically sweeping their way all throughout the Near Eastern region at that time, absorbing all the cultures and all the nations. They had already defeated, now by this time, you know, Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. So they had already defeated the, defeated the northern kingdom, and they were making their way down to the southern kingdom in Jerusalem. God's people. God's people, you think about being stranded on the side of the road, the feelings that you have of fear, of worry, of anxiety, of stress, all that consumes the sense of just hopelessness and despair. And Isaiah is given the task to challenge God's people, to call them for repentance. Now, he's calling a people for repentance that, well, they didn't often listen to God. Especially that call to repentance. I mean, and if they did listen, you know, they would listen for a while, and then after a while they decide when things were kind of good again, they would just go live life the way they wanted to live life. And they would decide what's right and wrong and what was of value in this world. And then they would tend to get themselves in trouble, and then some other empire would come in, and they would be in this wilderness experience. They'd kind of cry out to God again. Kind of reminds me of me and probably all of us. We do the same thing. We don't always listen to God until things get really bad. Then we call out to God and we listen to God. And we have this kind of pattern that we follow. Yet in the midst of this, you know, time of of stress and uncertainty, God's prophet Isaiah calls them to repentance and tells them this is what's going to happen. You're going to be carried away into captivity. They're going to come. But God promises. God promises that he is going to show up. And that the desert, that which seems lifeless, is going to blossom with life. Now, we may not be the people who are, you know, enslaved in exile. But we feel in those moments, and maybe this past 12 months has been one of those moments for you like it has been for me. A moment of perplexing anxiety and uncertainty and stress. And yet we hear that same promise of a God who shows up. A little further in Isaiah, verse 4, this is what Isaiah says. Let's read this together. Be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming. Be strong and do not fear. I mean, this is not a heavy-handed, be strong and do not fear. This is words of encouragement. 
This is like when you, when you called someone, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm broken down. Like, maybe if you called dad because you're out of gas or something like that. And it's like, it's okay. I'm on my way. It is that promise of, you know, of God saying, it's okay. It may be a little worrisome. It may be a little scary. But I'm on my way. God is coming. You see, this text is often a text traditionally in the season of Advent. As we prepare for Jesus' first Advent, his first coming as that little baby born in Bethlehem. That one who comes to fulfill God's promise of coming to his people. Of bringing life where there seems to be no life. Of bringing hope where there seems to be no hope. Of bringing peace where there is anxiety and uncertainty. Of bringing his life given for us at the cross that we may have life in him. Whether it is this current setting that we're in or some future setting, whether it's a community, a global, or personal wilderness time, our Savior promises that our God is coming, that we are not alone, that he answers our call for help. The wonderful promise that Jesus gave as he suffered and died and rose again and for 40 days as a risen Savior showed himself to his followers, taught them before he returned to his Father in heaven. He gives this promise. This promise was just so important for us, I think especially in these wilderness moments. He says these words recorded in Matthew 28, I am with you always. Always. You are never alone. When you feel like you're stranded on the side the road of life, Jesus says, I am with you. I am there for you. You see, Jesus provides the way in the wilderness. And he does that by being there for us at the cross, there for us, and being with us right now. Whatever it is that we are experiencing, Jesus is with you. You are not alone. So, Here's the challenge for us as we move forward into the rest of this week and this month as we move forward in the season of Lent into the celebration of Easter. What does waiting for Jesus to provide the way through your wilderness look like this week? What does it look like for you? I mean, this is all in some ways similar we have in our experiences in the wilderness, but it's also very individual. And how do we make sure we're connected with Jesus as we, we spend time in his word, those portals of prayers, if you're here in person, we've got the new portals of prayers that start in April. Pick one up on your way out. Or if you come through the drive-through communion next week, we'll pass out a portals of prayer to you. You know, spending a little time is in, in that word, our God reassures us that while we may feel anxious and uncertain, perplexed, worried, that our God has come. He has come and saved us. Our God, as we ran, began our worship this morning, our help and age is past. Our God in the past, our God today, and our God tomorrow, and our God, our Savior for all eternity. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing grace and love. We give you thanks and praise, Lord, for those moments when we feel like we are in a wilderness. Lord, a lot of us feel like that right now. And even though, Lord, we kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel, there's still a lot of uncertainty and and there's anxiousness. And in this wilderness, Lord, while it may come to an end and other wilderness experiences will happen, we thank you that you are with us. Help us in faith to trust and know and feel and experience your loving presence, your promise to restore us.
We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.